This episode of Transform Your Workplace is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. You know, when we talk about career development, oftentimes our brains go to promotions, title changes, and wage increases. But according to Julie Winkle Giulioni, it doesn't really have to be that way. Our true career development program should enhance the skills of our people, increase their competencies, engage them, and help them contribute to something bigger than themselves. It doesn't have to mean climbing the corporate ladder like we've associated with it. So listen in in today's episode as Julie Winkle Giulioni talks about the common misconceptions when it comes to career development and how we can incorporate employee development into everything that we do to retain people, to keep them engaged, and to get everybody thriving. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I would love to connect with you. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you next week. Julie, it is such a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Brandon. I've been looking forward to it. I have too. So I read your book, Promotions Are So Yesterday, a Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive. You know, where does career development land in terms of top priorities between managers and employees? I imagine it's somewhere near the top, but tell me about the importance of it. Yeah. Um, gosh, is it Wright and Associates that did the research that found that 91% of us would rate career development as important or very important? So I would say it's pretty high up there for most of us in the workplace. You said that there's a lot of dysfunction around career development today. Uh, what do you believe the problem is at the root of it? You know, at the core is that we've bought into this limited definition of careers and career development. So many of us have this default setting where career is the title and career development is the set of promotions that we go through in order to reach that next role, title, position, whatever it might be. And so what we're doing is measuring ourselves against this artificial yardstick, these artificial markers, when deep down in our hearts, we know careers are bigger than that. We know that there's a more expansive definition, but we haven't really had a language for talking about what it looks like beyond that pathway upward. And so at its core, I think it's a lack of language, a lack of vocabulary around how to talk about it that needs to be expanded. Because if we can blow out the vocabulary, we can blow out the opportunities that are available there. I think it's a good point that you're making with just the language that we need to use. Because I think often when I hear career development, and I know I'm not alone in this, my mind immediately goes to promotion, title change, money. Am I alone in thinking this way? Or is it a common belief between managers and employees? No, it absolutely is. I think it's common um, for the managers and the employees. When I do workshops, you know, I'll do the word association thing and, and ask folks to say what kind of an image comes to mind. It's the latter. That's default setting. And Brandon, what's so weird about that is 
intellectually, we understand that the world doesn't work like that any longer, that there have been the downsizings and the right sizings and the delayering and, you know, until recently boomers living longer, working longer, occupying boxes on the org chart. And yet there's something about our brains that just rubber bands us back to that idea of the latter, despite the mathematical impossibility of giving everyone who wants to grow a promotion. I mean, we know this. But somehow in our gray matter, that's what's triggered. And then we're dissatisfied because career development doesn't look like it's supposed to for us. Yeah. Well, here's a shocking stat that I pulled from your book. You cited a LinkedIn study. There are 6,600 employees that were um, asked a series of questions. And 94% said they would stay longer at an organization if they believed an investment was being made in their development. So I want you to respond to that because what we just described was that people, for the most part, believe that career development means a promotion. But I don't read that in this stat. I, I read that if we were truly making an investment in their development, and that could mean a lot of different things. Maybe just respond to that if you would. Well, may I respond to it with even a, a new stat? Yeah, please. Yeah, I like data. Just so compelling these days. Employees who don't perceive opportunities for growth are seven point nine times more eager to leave, even if they like their job. Now that's pretty significant. Blows me away. And so you know, I, I think your question really gets to the heart of the matter here. What are we talking about when we talk about development? What are we talking about when we talk about growth? So for some people, they're going to that, you know, sort of hijack the brain ladder sort of image, but we don't know what other people are thinking when they say growth or when they respond to a question about development. And that's why introducing some sort of a framework, a way of thinking about this more expansively becomes important. So we've got a bit of a, a roadmap, but not the kind of roadmap that takes us from position to position, a roadmap that can take us from experience to experience that creates the growth experience that we're looking for. I think one of the, the interesting things that I, I found in your book that I resonate with, because I often think about this, especially when it comes to promotions, is there's not enough new positions out there to accommodate every single person that wants a traditional career ladder. So if you're like thinking, well, career development to me means I've got a new title, I've got a promote. Well, there's just simply not enough available. So then people are stuck. So what's the solution? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the math just doesn't work. It does not pencil. <laughs> no. Um, and and so a lot of HR departments, a lot of, of organizations have moved from the, the latter idea to more of a, like in our last book, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go, we use the climbing wall. I know a lot of organizations talk about lattices, jungle gyms, and that kind of thing. Yet again, the problem is we're looking for a structural solution. It's still a position, uh, whether it's lateral or vertical or, or where. We're still talking about having to go somewhere in order for growth to happen. So at its core, I think the opportunity is to unpack what's possible within the role someone might have. Because the other thing is not everybody wants that promotion. You know, how many employees are perfectly happy right where they are doing what they're doing. They don't want to have to get up, move anywhere, take a new role. 
but that doesn't mean they don't want to continue to grow and develop. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You said career development is like a Swiss army knife. And I, I resonate with that so much because there's no like one perfect way to develop somebody. It's like, there's a lot of different ways uh, and it's all for their development and engagement and happiness. Whereas what kind of message does it send to people if we say the only way for development is to climb the ladder? Like that seems to be sending mixed messages. Totally. I couldn't agree more. One size just doesn't fit all. In fact, I've been speaking more these days in terms of bespoke. You know how you can go into a cocktail lounge and they'll, the mixologist doesn't even have a menu. They just kind of take in, what do you like? What's the vibe? You know, that sort of thing. And they create this wonderful cocktail. I, you know, not that we should be serving cocktails in the workplace, but I mean, what if we thought more about a career cocktail? I mean, really taking into consideration what's unique about each individual, what really interests them, what their sincere goals and aspirations are after you get under the social conditioning or whatever. We have the opportunity with that understanding in a bespoke sort of way, create a custom experience that's going to speak to the unique needs of each individual employee. Yeah. So speaking of that, in, in your book, and the bulk of the book actually covers these dimensions of, a, of career development. Can you outline those for me? There's there's several of them. I think it would be beneficial for listeners to hear those. Yeah, absolutely. So the heart of the book, as you mentioned, is the multidimensional career framework. And in that what I do is introduce seven alternative development dimensions, in addition to that classic, you know, climb up the corporate ladder, which isn't going to go away. That's still a, a way that folks are going to be interested in growing. But the other seven are contribution, you know, stepping up, making a difference, being of service, living on purpose. There's competence, which is about enhancing the skills and abilities and uh, what's necessary to be successful today as well as out into the future. There's connection. You know, there's that expression, um, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And there's, you know, probably an overstatement, but there's a, an element of that. Your network, your community, the relationships you build, the visibility that you can entertain, that all contributes to our growth. The fourth is confidence, which normally doesn't fit into a career framework. And yet, you know, anyone who's ever had a lack of confidence, and I don't know very many of us who haven't, knows that that can really get in the way of our growth and our, our career development. And so there are times in our careers where we need to double down on really trusting our ability to show up and perform in a consistent, predictable sort of way. Then there's challenge, which you know kind of speaks for itself. That's stepping into the discomfort zone where learning and growth are accelerated. We also have the dimension of contentment, which is a little bit, again, outside of a normal career development framework. And yet, particularly now, as we're looking at a workplace that needs to speak to the needs of the whole person, there are times over the course of our careers that we need to invest in stepping back a bit, maybe finding the joy, the ease, the balance that's necessary to keep us going over the long haul, you know, that is our career. And then there's choice. Uh, another topic of great debate these days 
in terms of people wanting more, you know, control, more autonomy, more flexibility over where, when, how they do their jobs. And all of these seven dimensions I just talked about, what's unique about them and what differentiates them from climb, you know, that last one, that climb up the corporate ladder, is that these others are all within the, the control, within the sphere of influence of managers and employees. They can do something about these other dimensions. Whereas, of course, the promotion is comes from somebody else. Do we have the budget for it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really fascinating. Those are great dimensions that hopefully managers take into account. How do they, you know, if I have several unique employees, how might I go about tailoring a career development plan based on those seven? Is it unique to each person? Like, is there an assessment that you could walk through and make sure that like, oh, somebody likes contribution more, so I'm going to focus more on this area or competency or they need to be challenged more? Like, how would you structure it uh, based on the person? Yeah. And just as you were talking, it, it evoked the images of that bartender doing the intake. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. oh, the it, intake. I love it. Yeah. It really does come down to conversation and relationship. I mean, that's how we're going to understand how an employee is is wired and what they want and what it's going to take to speak to their, you know, their hearts and their souls and ignite the kind of passion and motivation that's going to keep people engaged and just keep people, you know, in, in the day of the great reshuffle. So in the book, we have a self-assessment that employees can go through that'll highlight it. Online, we've got, um, you know, an online free version that folks can use as well. And so just the act of an employee going through this reflection and assessment process is really powerful because, again, it starts to introduce a new language that most of us haven't been speaking. And it's fascinating to to watch people sort of grapple with, oh my gosh, that is important to me. I didn't realize it. We did some research on these dimensions, uh, over 700 people worldwide, and asked them, just rank them, you know, just put them in order in terms of most interesting down to least interesting. What was really fascinating about it, I could never have predicted it, contribution is number one. Really? Yeah. Actually, that doesn't surprise me with, especially I'm, I'm of the I'm the upper end millennial generation. I think contribution, I mean, if you're getting your basic needs met in terms of like money and, and all that a contribution, I believe that it's it's up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it absolutely is. And for me, I mean, that just speaks volumes to organizations and to leaders about who they've got there in the workplace. And it creates such a a business case for keeping people who have that kind of interest. But it also sets up the opportunity for a little bit of reciprocity, a little quid pro quo. So you've got people who want to contribute, but how can we use contribution as a specific, focused, proactive, deliberate strategy to also help them grow? So as they're giving something, what can they get back in terms of enhanced skills, network, whatever it might be that translates into growth so that those employees, when they're asked by LinkedIn or whoever on that next survey about, you know, how much growth is available, they're recognizing that, oh, I'm stepping up, but look at what my manager and I have engineered for me to get back. I'm getting growth here. Yeah, there's a quote in in your book, and I don't know if this is from a survey that you did, but it just hit me square in the head. And it says, if I'm not contributing to something bigger, I really have no interest in wasting my time. Yeah. And 
I think somebody must have said that and I can just hear that being said out loud. And and that's true. Like a lot of people, they if their work is not going to something that's bigger than themselves and especially something meaningful, why would they want to be there in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. That was a survey respondent. And so that person, rather than just bubbling something in, had to invest the energy to write that out. So, I mean, to me, that says that person felt really, really strongly about yeah. it. I think it's a huge motivation in the workplace. And especially after these last couple of years, you know, the COVID epiphanies, the reflection that we've all done, the having to look mortality in the face in some cases, it has caused people to really rethink their relationship with work. They want more. Yeah. Regarding contribution, I think this is one of the squishier ones where it's hard to maybe as a manager to make sure that they're always being connected to the contributions that they're making to the organization as a whole. Any tips or tricks for managers to be able to do this effectively? Yeah, definitely. And there's a whole chapter in the book that digs into it in some detail. The first thing is, let's get clear on what contribution looks like to the employee. Because even once we figure out that this might be their top priority, we still need to to dig down deeper to figure out what that expression of contribution might look like. Now, in some cases, as you alluded to, sometimes it's a matter of helping people just remember how they're contributing to the whole to reignite that motivation. Because each of us, no matter where we are in the organization, we're doing something that builds up to meeting the needs of the stakeholders, the customers, you know, whoever, what the mission might be. But then beyond that, there are times when people are just simply ready to make a difference, to step up, to do something more than they're doing right now. And so to have a really intentional conversation with that person that digs into what kind of contribution do you want to make? All right, where could we find, and the good news is there are so many opportunities for people to contribute. I mean, when you look around the workplace, there are problems, there are voids, there are issues and situations that need the creative attention of someone. Perfect opportunity for contribution. The key, though, is in engaging with employees and identifying where they want to contribute and how to also make sure it's reciprocal. And we're making sure they're getting the development that they're looking for too. So what are your goals for engaging in this activity, new task force, stepping into this void, whatever it might be? How do you want to be different on the tail end? What do you want to be able to do then that you can't do uh, now? Or who do you want to know then who you don't know now? So that it's really intentional because the challenge becomes in many organizations, there are a lot of developmental opportunities thrown at people, you know, and frequently it's just more work kind of wrapped in the bow of development, but the development gets pushed into the background when the work is in the foreground. And so what's key is to bring the development forward uh, again, you know, so that when people think about their experience in this organization, yeah, I'm doing great work, I'm contributing, but they also recognize that there's development embedded in everything that they're doing. So competency is second on the list of dimensions. This one, there's a ton of competencies to develop as an employee, as a manager, anybody. Like, how do you hone in on what to develop? I imagine this takes some customization based on like, okay, what are the important competencies I need to develop this year or for my role? Any methodology around that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, we could we could start listing now and still be listing yeah. competencies next week. So a couple of things. 
First is, if we're talking about really digging into career development, we want to make sure that the competencies that we're looking at and finding ways to develop are not about fixing a gap, um, resolving an issue, you know, kind of filling a hole so that it's not so much performance related. So frequently when we start talking about competencies, it veers right into performance. And so that's one caution as we start looking at the the competencies that somebody might be interested in. But I think the biggest thing is how can we as leaders help employees look around the corner and anticipate where the business is going, what the needs are going to be, and how they can start preparing themselves today for whatever that tomorrow is going to be. You're probably familiar with that research. I quote all the time because it just blows me away. The Institute for the Future of Work suggests that 85% of the jobs we're going to be doing in the year 2030 haven't been invented yet. Yeah, that's insane. I know. (laughs) It's hard to pull, like, put, wrap your head around it because I think we get stuck in the here and the now and, and often don't look too far into the future about what it looks like. Cause probably cause we can't visualize it. It's, it's hard for me to even fathom that. I know. I know. And especially our idea of long-term planning is what a year, 18 months out. <laughs> I know. Well, it's the, the, the old saying of like, you can't even imagine what you could do in like 10 years, but so much changes between now and 10 years, it would be impossible to even try to set some goals or anything like that. We underestimate what we can do in that amount of time, but we overestimate what we can do like a year time. Yeah. 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 It's a weird dynamic there. Yeah. But I think you've just kind of hit the the nail on the head. Things are going to keep changing. And so maybe some of the priority competencies have to do with things like agility and the ability to manage change and resilience and the things that are going to be kind of evergreen, no matter what then the specifics of the work might introduce. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really good point you're making too. And is there a really good way to establish a baseline of where am I at competency-wise? Are there tools or assessments that people could take that would kind of at least sort of pinpoint where I'm at on the spectrum? Oh, there are probably lots just depending upon what you're you're aspiring to develop. Um, Yeah, I'm sure if we went online, we could find probably instruments that speak to all three of the, you know, change, change readiness, agility, and, uh, and resilience as well. So challenge is another dimension on your list. How do we challenge and stretch our people without breaking them? Because I think people have a breaking point. (laughs) Yes, yes. And uh, it really becomes sort of a Goldilocks experience, doesn't it? Yeah, Um, yeah, I think so. I share in the book, I think, uh, a challenge that I had that stretched me beyond the limit. I delivered what was necessary and promptly left the organization because it was more than I had bargained for, more than was appropriate for where I was. And I think we too frequently uh, may do that to people, especially people who we see as being really competent and up for the challenge. You know, we just make those kinds of assumptions. So the key is, it kind of goes back to the assessment question you just uh, mentioned. Do we have a good, clear baseline for where people are today and what the delta is between there and the stretch that they have in mind? So that we can calibrate the perfect, you know, balance is it's keeping me on my toes and I'm sweating a little bit. Yeah, right. But I also am not panicked 
and I have that sense that yeah. with the right support, I can do it. And then the support becomes key too, because being thrown into a challenge and then having your manager or your mentor or coach bail on you doesn't provide what's needed to get across the finish line. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think often about myself, like, there's been some challenging times that like it sucked in the moment and I hated it. And you know, you're out of your comfort zone, you're frustrated. There's, there's all these things that come with it. But when you get on the other side of it, you're like, wow, I just experienced a ton of growth and I'm way better for it. But not everybody would have probably the same reaction. And so to your point, the Goldilocks of like, there's a just right for people and we need to figure out what, what that just right means. Yeah. Well, and even if they are going through, you know, if, if we miscalibrate or if part of the process is the, the kind of pain you're, you were just describing, if they've got the support that they need, if they've got a manager who's there talking them through it, who's willing to listen, who's willing to jointly problem solve, offer the, the feedback that's required or whatever it might be, just knowing that you've got that safety net there makes all the difference in the world in terms of how you feel about it. And then the other side of that is making sure on the other end, because Brandon, as you were talking about, you recognize the learning on the other end. Not everybody is that self-aware. And so being able to sit down with folks after they've gone through the challenge and really unpack, what did you learn? What can you do today? Yeah, it was painful, but where are you today vis-a-vis where you were when you started? So hopefully by this point in the discussion, as people are listening, that they realize there's a lot more dimensions to developing people throughout their career than just giving them more money and a title and, and career laddering it. How do you recommend leaders, if you know, if you got their attention right now, how do you recommend they take the next steps in terms of building out the possibilities of what career development could be for their, for their people? Yeah, I think the um, the most important thing is to entertain a bigger definition. Recognize that careers have changed, they've grown, they've expanded, and that the tools that you have to help grow them can expand along with that broader definition. I would invite managers and leaders to really look at all of the dimensions over which they have control, which is you know, seven out of eight, and dig into exploring the interests that people might have in those rather than kind of waiting till somebody leaves, a spot is open and we can move someone around the chessboard. There's an online assessment that you can have your man or your employees uh, take that gives them a confidential report. It also kind of introduces this idea of the multiple dimensions of career development and gives them a bar chart that shows kind of where their interests are and some reflection questions that let them think through a little bit more deeply where their interests might lie. And that can be a great prerequisite for uh, a wonderful career conversation. So inviting employees to do that reflection and then come and share what they're comfortable with the manager is a great jumping off point for really redefining career development and the career development relationship that you have with people. Julie, it's been such a pleasure having you on Transform Your Workplace. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Love the book too. The book is called Promotions Are So Yesterday, Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive. Where can people learn more about you, connect with you on social media if you're there and anything else you want to point people to? 
Oh, thank you. Yep, the book comes out on March 8th from ATD Press. And probably the, the best place to connect with me is on my website, which is juliewinklegiulioni.com. And I'm sure you'll put that in the, the show notes, given all those vowels. All of it. Absolutely. We'll have it all in the show notes. Julie, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, Brandon, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.